Holy God in heaven, I thank you that we can come to worship you. I thank you that we make sure and certain to never forget the resurrection here at our church. But as we come to the eve, closer and ever closer, to Good Friday and Easter Sunday, I pray our hearts would ever more incline to the weight of the very importance of this time of year. And yes, every Sunday is a Resurrection Sunday, but there is something that should be stirred in our hearts as we approach that eve every year. Because on that day, as we sung this morning, the veil in the temple separating God and man was indeed torn. And we have access to God in a way we never had had access before. Not through the blood of a sacrifice as the priests would have to carry. Not through the purification of sins from a ceremony. Can we enter the presence of your God? We enter the presence of you, Lord. By the blood of your Son. And so I pray this morning we would indeed be ready in our hearts. Let the Holy Spirit move through your word and the weight of studying the life of Mary and how she sees Easter be real to us. May your word bring change in our hearts to the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in your name. Amen. Good morning. Oh, we can do better than that. Good morning. Morning. Um, Amy, I forgot to uh, give you this, but do you have our memory verse? Can you put that up there? Is it somewhere? You can grab it. It's uh, John eleven twenty five through 26. Has anybody memorized it? No. What's good at memory verse if we don't memorize them? It's John eleven twenty five through 26. Partially. <laughs> I think I could wing it. All right. We're going to read it together. Good job, Amy. I can only see something showed up on the screen in the mirror and behind you guys. I can't actually read what it says. Oh, that's Matthew. Yeah, that's not it. I could also turn around and look. That says John. Look. Yeah. All right. We're going to read this together twice. Um, I feel like this mic is really loud. Um, all right. So we're going to read this together twice. It is uh, John eleven twenty five through 26. And it says... Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Let's read that again. John eleven twenty five through 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Our sermon summary for this morning is, Mary is the mother of the Messiah, but what more is there for us to know? What happened to her during Jesus' ministry? Where was she as, she as he died for the sins of the world? How did she view her son after he was gone? 
Um, and so this morning, I'm going to walk through Mary. Uh, what I noticed in study, though, was that there is not that much in Scripture that tells us about Mary, her life prior to the angel's announcement to her, um, after Jesus' first earthly ministry, which is the turning water in the wine or, or um, the wedding in Cana. Um, after that, it, she kind of fades out of the picture. She shows up here and there, but there really isn't much there to tell us about Mary's life. And then she shows up again um, at the day of Pentecost, and she's there. Um, and so we're just going to walk through. Um, I, I posted my notes. There are actually five points we're going to go over. I'm going to read through all of them, and then we're going to go through some scripture. We're going to be in three books this morning, uh, the book of John, the book of Luke, and Mark, and then one verse in Acts. Um, so those are the books that we're going to be in. Be prepared to turn through all of those books. Um, the four points are um, the announcement of motherhood. Um, we'll talk about that and, and the announcement that was made to her. And then four C's. The confused mother, the contemplative mother, and the concerned mother. Um, and those are the, the three other points uh, there. And then finally, the believing mother. Um, and the, the title of this is Just the Believing Mother. We're going to walk through what Mary went through, what Mary saw, um, how she felt, all of those things concerning this uh, announcement, concerning living life after Jesus was born, um, and then what it was like after he died and, and where, where she's at. Um, so our first passage is the actual announcement, and we'll go to Luke 1, verses 26 through 38. Luke 1, verses 26 through 38. Um, some Bibles have a title there. This is Gabriel predicts um, Jesus' birth. And so I'm going to read this for us, um, and this will give us some idea of, of that announcement um, to Mary. Again, that is Luke 1, 26 through 38. Bear with me. I don't know why my brain is all over the place right now. Um, so I'm going to try and stay focused and, and uh, focus in here. All right. Verse 26, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Um, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. I'm going to stop there really quick. Um, There isn't a lot of details, like I said, about Mary, but... The assumption can be made even here that she had some standard of belief, some standard of morals, I would say, based on the the description of her here. Um, the description is one: she's engaged to Joseph, um, and two: this is a this is a virgin, a, a woman who um, has kept herself for marriage. That 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 lends to believe uh, to the belief that, that she is following some type of moral or mor- moral code. Um, it, is, it is my belief that that is the, the code of which God, God set up. And so um, the virgin named was Mary. Uh, verse 28, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what type of greeting this could be. And the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name, his, you will name him Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I've not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. The angel then the angel left her. And so there's this Interesting announcement made to Mary. Mary is uh, betrothed to Joseph. Mary is a virgin. Mary is walking towards uh, a wedding and all these things. And uh, this angel appears and says, listen, you're going to have a kid. And she says, well, wait a minute. I don't know how that's possible because I've done what I was supposed to. I've not been with anybody. And so I don't know how this is going to be. And the angel says to her, um, this is going to be something of God. This is going to be the son of God that you're going to have. This, this child is going to be great in the land. This child's going to be an amazing person. Um, and that's who you're going to carry. And in case you think it's not possible, it is because think of uh, your relative Elizabeth, who has been childless for years and the Holy Spirit and God worked in her life to bring forth a child. Um, and so... All of that announcement is there for her, and she has to sit with that announcement. Um, motherhood, I don't know, because I'm not a mother, <laughs> so I don't know much about motherhood. Uh, but uh, motherhood for a, for a mom seems to be uh, a big, big deal, um, and it is. And uh, so you have have a woman here who is a virgin who kept herself, and now an announcement of motherhood, um, and and saying, okay, not only is this a normal child that I'm having, I'm having a child that this angel is telling me is going to be great, is God's son. It's a lot more weight than normal motherhood, I would assume, based on the testimony of the angel here. I don't, I don't see how, if any of the women in our room, God came to and said, hey, you're going to have my son, I think there's a little bit more weight than, hey, I'm having a kid by my husband. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's different there. Um, and, and this child's going to be great and all of those things. With motherhood comes a lot of books and a lot of people giving advice and a lot of all this other stuff. Um, and so all of that is, is there. And it's saying, okay, all these people can give advice, all these books and all these things to, to raise up a child. None of them can say, oh, how do you raise the son of God? How does that happen? Um, and I'm telling you all this because a lot of times we see these things and say, um, God is supernatural. God is um, God. And we separate from the humanity of it. And we have a mother here who just got announced that this is the son of God. This is a supernatural. This is God. This is God born in you. And so she has to sit with that and say, well, wait a minute. This is not just a normal, natural human being that I'm having. Um, and so she gets this announcement. 
Um, and she does um, what most people do after they get an announcement that seems a little odd or whatever. They go have a conversation. They go have a conversation with someone somewhere and say, listen, I need to talk to somebody about this because this is kind of in my heart. This kind of settling. Here's what happened, and maybe you can help me out. And so we read on in verse 39 that she visits her, uh, visits Elizabeth, um, the one the angel just said is carrying a son who was childless. Um, and she visits Elizabeth, and I want you to hear, um, hear what's said um, about the child and hear Mary's words. Um, these are very important because this gives, a, gives some insight to how Mary's viewing this child she's going to have. So then Luke 1 verse 39 says, In those days Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's, Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. So that's Elizabeth's explaining of what, okay, Mary just walked in, and in her voice I heard, and my child left in the womb, and, and, and this, is, this is the son of God that, that Mary is carrying. And so then Mary's response in verse 46 says, and Mary said, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. Sorry, let me read that again. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. And so, you hear Mary starting to connect what's going on. After she talks with Elizabeth, Elizabeth is excited. Mary starts connecting and says, not only is this the son of God, this is my savior. She says that in verse 47, and the spirit rejoices in God, my savior, um, because he had looked upon the favor of this humble condition of his servant. Um, and so Mary, Mary understands who God is. Mary understands a little bit about what's going on, um, though it hasn't set in yet. Um, it hasn't become reality for her yet. Um, the announcement just happened. She's going to have a child. Um, but there is months in between there and all of those things before she actually has this child. And so um, she's sitting with this and, and rejoicing with her, with um, Elizabeth, and, and, and just celebrating uh, the fact that this announcement has come to her and she's been looked upon with favor. Um, and then we move on um, to the, from the announcement to the confused mother. Okay, so now we have um, Jesus is born, and he's here, and there's some 
some announcements, there are some prophecies that happen and all these things. And I just want, want us to see uh, some of the confusion that happens. I'm going to jump in the story around a little bit here, so try and stay with me. I'm going to jump um, in at his birth. I'm going to jump in um, around 12 years old and also jump in later um, down the road towards the end of his ministry in the confusion. So you can see um, as she's tracking along through his ministry, as she's tracking along, as he's growing, all of those things, you'll start to see um, still a lack of connection of who Jesus actually is. And so then John 2, 1 through 10, I believe is our next passage. John 2, 1 through 10. Let's go back. We're going to go to Luke. I apologize. Luke 2, 4, Luke two forty eight. I think, is the one that I wanted to use next. Give me one second. I think I mixed up my notes here. 331. You can prepare and prep all you want, and then you can jack up your notes and <laughs> lose where you were going. Hold on one second for me. <clears throat> all right, so I'm going to read through these um, these verses. This is not where I wanted to go. We're going to stay here. Um, these are not. So we'll go to Luke 2.48. Luke 2.48 shows some of the confusion of the connection. Luke 2.48 says this. Luke 2, 48. Um, it says, and when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus response to her says, why were you searching for me? He asked them, did you not didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? Let's switch over to John 2, uh, verses 1 through 10. John 2, verses 1 through 10. This is the story of the um, wedding in Cana. Um, I'm only actually going to read verses 1 through 5. Um, of this passage. Um, but this is the story of the wedding in Canada. There's a wedding celebration going on um, as it's going on. Wedding celebrations back in the day, um, Jesus' time were um, events. These were day, sometimes week-long events. Um, we kind of celebrate for a couple hours and, and think we're doing something. Um, but they used to stop everything and celebrate for a long amount of time. And so the story here is um, <clears throat> the wedding celebration is going on. And at the wedding celebration, they run out of wine. And um, Jesus' mother, kind of understanding who he is and that he's the son of God, says, hey, they're out of wine. Um, so let, let's read that. Uh, John 2 Verse 1 says, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. Jesus' response uh, again starts to direct her back to 
who he is and why he's here. But she seems to, to be confused about what's why. He says, what does it have to do with you and me, woman? Question mark. Um, Jesus asks, my hour has not yet come. And then, he, then she goes on to say to uh, the people uh, who are prepping for this wine, do whatever he tells you, um, his mother told the servants. Um, and there's one other passage, Mark 3, uh, 31 through 35. Mark 3. 31 through 35, Mark 3. This passage fast forwards to um, Jesus, um, and he's in a crowd of people, and they're, they're talking, um, and he's, he's, he's sharing with them. And um, his mother and his brothers show up outside, and they want to speak with him. And his mother, um, verse 31, his mother and, bro- and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, look, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied to them, who are my mother and my brothers? Looking at those sitting in a circle around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my mother, my brother and my sister and mother. And so these three instances, Mary is here at these instances, and she's, she's trying to connect with him on the level of an earthly being. She's trying to connect with him as normal people do. And, hey, my son's here over here speaking. Let him know I'm here. I want to talk to him, all of these things. And, and at the wedding, she's saying, I know who he is. I know that he can do great things. Let, let, let me have him go ahead and, and change his water into wine. Um, and when he's 12 and in the temple, um, she's there and she says, listen, um, you, you weren't with us. We came and looked for you and all of these things. And he says, well, wait a minute. I, I must be about my father's work. Um, and, and, and she starts contemplating these things and starts hearing these things. And, and she's confused because she, she's like, okay, this is my son. This is the son of God. And I'm, I'm somewhere in between there. I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to understand. And he keeps redirecting her back to, I am respectful of you because you're my earthly mom. And you see that. And she has trust for him because no mother lets a 12-year-old disappear from her for three days and, and, and just, just lets that be okay. When they left from where they were to head back home, it was a crowd of people with them. They made the assumption that he was with someone. That shows you that there was a relationship there between a mother and son that she had trust that he could wander off and he would still be with everybody. As opposed to saying, I need to put eyes on him and make sure he's with us before we leave. She made the assumption, said, oh, he's good. We know Jesus. We know what he's about. Okay, great. Um, and then turn around. A day later, she's looking and saying, wait a minute, he's not here. And imagine the panic on her face if they've traveled. This is not travel in a car. This is walking. This is walking in a desert. This is walking far. And turn around a, a day later and says, Jesus isn't here. So they get back, and they're looking, and they're looking. Three days later, they find him in the temple. And imagine the panic and, and all of those things as she's saying, listen, <laughs> you left. You didn't come with us. What, what are you doing? And, and his response is very simple and says, 
you're not connecting. You seem to be confused as to who I am and what I'm supposed to be. And you see, you still see respect there for her because he also turns around and comes with us instead of staying in the temple and saying, here's what I need to be. He doesn't leave it there. He says, okay, I'm coming with you, but this is what I'm about. I need you to understand that. He says the same thing to her at the, at the wedding. Listen, this is not for me. I, this is not my time. I have something that I need to do, and me being involved in these things, I'll do it but out of respect, but I, I'm not here yet. And then towards the end of his journey, he says the same thing to, for his mother and brothers that your connection is missing. Your connection to what it is that I'm doing is missing. You're trying to connect to me as a human being. I'm trying to connect you to God and God's family, which is why he says, those who follow me, those who understand, those are my mother, my brother, and my sister, and I need you to connect on those levels. So there's some confusion there. She got this announcement. Her son's starting to grow up. There's some confusion there. And then we read about her being contemplative. And so we'll read Luke 2, 19. Luke 2, 19. Luke 2, 19. This is... um, This is after uh, the shepherds appear. So the shepherds and the, the shepherds, the angels come to the shepherds and they make the announcement to the shepherds and the shepherds leave. I was reading this um, earlier today and I said, there's, there's no, any, no details here as to these sheep these shepherds were responsible for. Did they just up and leave them out in the field and go see about this baby? Did they bring them with them? Did you, do you move that many sheep? It sounds like they moved pretty quickly and went to go see um, baby Jesus. And they got there, and in verse 16, it says, They hurried off and found baby, both Mary and Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. And so she's there, and she's hearing all these things. The angel told her. Um, the, the angels shared with her, the angels shared with the shepherds and so forth. And she's, she's just might meditate and contemplating saying, what is all this? Um, I have a son. He's the son of God and he has a, an earthly body. Um, I'm supposed to care for him. I'm supposed to raise him. Um, there's people telling me all these great things and I'm just, she's soaking it in. She's meditating on this. Um, you also see this again in verse 51 of, of Luke 2. Verse 51. This is after... Um, the story, um, not the story, but they bring Jesus to the temple um, and they, they bring him there uh, for uh, circumcision and, and all, the, all the, the things that they need to do uh, with him and for him um, to raise him up um, in, in the faith and the, and the belief that they have. And you have two testimonies. You have Simeon's, Simeon's prophecy to her and him, and you have Anna's testimony to them. And again, in verse 51, after both of these people speak about, about this son, how great he is, who he is, and, and so forth, you see Mary again in verse 51, and she says, um, it says here, after all this is over, they went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to to them his mother his mother kept all these things in her heart 
And so she, she's contemplating all that's being told to her. She's starting to understand. She's starting to see. Um, there's still some confusion. There's still some, some, some wondering as to who this really is, what he's going to be, all of those things. His mothers have those concerns. What are their kids going to turn out like? Are they going to be this? Are they going to be that? Are they going to be bad in school? All of these things is, is mothers have those concerns. And, and she's battling both those concerns and also the stories that are being shared with her. Um, there's a couple concerning moments for her. Um, the first concerning moment we already read. Um, as a mom, moms have a lot of concerns for their kids. Um, and so there, Luke 2:48, we read and it, it shared that she had some stress, anxiety, worry because her son was missing. Um, and then in John 19, we read this. John 19 Verses 25 through 27. Verses 25 through 27. Standing by the cross of Jesus where his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciples he loved standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple. Um, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. And so you have Mary here who, um, one, was concerned when her son disappeared. Secondly, towards near the end of his um, ministry, she's concerned because the stories have kind of changed. The announcement was that he'd be great. The, the, the shepherds came and told him, this is the mighty God, this is the prince of peace, this is all these things. She's excited about those things. She's confused a little bit. Um, she's concerned also because now people are, are saying things about her son that are, he's, he's a little off. He's a little crazy. This is something wrong here. Um, and, and she's battling through all of those things too. So she had concern in Mark three twenty one when all of her brothers and the sisters came. This is, this is, I view this and this may not be hundred percent accurate, but I view that kind of like an intervention. They're coming and saying, okay, we need to have a conversation with us. So they bring the whole family together, their mother, their sister, um, and the, the brothers. And they're saying that we want to talk to him. I know he's over there speaking, but tell him to come here real quick. We just need to talk to him real quick and just kind of get an idea of where he's at. Um, and at the end here, um, a, a mom standing here as her son is, is being murdered, for lack of a better term, um, and, and having concern and saying, this, this, is, this is my flesh and blood. This is not only my flesh and blood, this is the son of God that I was entrusted to, to care well for, to raise up to all of these things, and he's being murdered. And so she's sitting with all of these things, sitting with all of what was said to her, about him, and so forth. Um, I'm going to talk with, with you really quick about the piercing sword. Um, this is in the same passage as Luke 2. I'm going to read uh, the prophecy that Simeon gave to her um, and, and what that means for her and for Jesus and, and what is being said. So Luke 2, verses... Uh, 25 through 35. Again, this is Simeon's prophetic praise. Um, In verse 25 says, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. 
This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant into peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother, Mary, indeed this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And so this prophecy is saying um, that to Mary, but saying about Jesus that this is not a normal child. This is a child that is destined for a lot of things. He's destined for the rise and fall. and he's going to oppose a lot of things. He's going to be opposed. Um, and all of this is going to be a sword that's going to pierce your own soul. And we see that because she is struggling as she walks through. She's trying to figure it out. Um, and then she makes it all the way through the cross um, where her son is being um, murdered. Um, and she sees that and, and, and her soul is hurt. Um, her soul is hurting, and, and Simeon shared this with her and told her ahead of time, like, listen, this is what's going to happen. But this is not a bad thing because this has to happen um, that the hearts of many can be revealed. And this is foreshadowing what Jesus was attempting to do. Jesus was attempting to correct the corruption that was surrounding the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of those things. He was there to set things right. And so many hearts were being revealed, which you can tell because the responses were from the Pharisees and so forth. We don't want any parts of do with you. We want none of this because you're starting to reveal truth about us that we aren't actually about what you called us to be about. We're, we're not doing what you've called us to be and you're showing that. And so we're upset and we're turning, turning, um, trying to turn people away from you and keep them on this, on this way. Um, and so at the crucifixion, Jesus cares for his mom very, very well and, and says uh, to her, knowing that she's hurting, knowing that she's confused, knowing she's trying to still understand all of these things, but saying that this is God, my savior also, and my son, um, he cares for her in, in placing her in the home of John, Um, and saying, here, care for my mom. Mom, this is your son. That's how that happens. Take care of you. Uh, He'll take care of you and all of those things. Um, And so Mary goes through uh, the crucifixion, watches them murder her son, all of these things, and she stays with the disciples. And we read in Acts um, where I get the believing mother from. Um, And so Acts 1, 
Acts 1, verses 14. Verse 14, um, they are united in prayer here, and they're, they're, they're in a room praying, and it says they all were, con- they all were continually united in prayer. Um, along with the woman, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They're all meeting together. They're praying. Um, they're working through everything that has happened with Jesus. They're trying to figure it out. Um, and then you fast forward a little bit to the day of Pentecost, and the, the Holy Spirit falls on all of them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Um, and so the the connection here is that through everything with Jesus, through raising him, through watching his earthly ministry, through um, the confusion, through the contemplation, through the concern as a mother, through the testimony of I mean, the prophecy from Simeon who says, your soul is going to be pierced and, and this, this has to happen. Your son's going to be murdered. All these things has to happen so that um, the, the prophecies can be fulfilled she gets an understanding because here she is now with the disciples saying, I, I understand this. I see it now. Um, I, I, I connect now with my savior that I said earlier when I was with Elizabeth. Now it's all starting to make sense. And she's there when the Holy Spirit falls on her. Now, from there, there isn't much else about Mary in the text. Um, it's my belief that she continued with John. And so wherever John was, I, I make the assumption that Mary w- was with him, too, because he was charged to care for, care for her, and she was charged with him as her son. And so my assumption is wherever John was, Mary went with him. Um, so my assumption is she, she stayed um, around the church, did, did things with the church, and so forth. Um, and so I wanted to read this, um, and I'm going to read Mary's uh, testimony again, well, Mary's praise again, but it says, Mary joyfully accepted the awesome responsibility of birthing and raising the Messiah. This announcement was not an easy one to swallow. The path to the cross was filled with confusing concern and contemplation, yet through the many prophecies concerning her son, the miracles he did, the slander spoken about him, the beatings, and ultimately death, Mary's song of praise still rings true. Let me read her song of praise one more time for us. Mary's song of praise says this. And Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. Because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. Her son and savior is, as he said, the resurrection and the life. And so Mary believed this. She understood this. And our memory verse, I think, is very, very key and why we have this memory verse for this season. Because the question at the end of it is so pointed. Um, and I'll read you our memory verse again. It says, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Jesus was that exact example. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. 
Um, and the question following is that is, do you believe this? Mary, Mary believed this. Um, Jesus was talking to Martha there, and that was at the death of Lazarus. And she said, if you had been here and all of these things, and he said, listen, I'm the resurrection and the life. I can raise his body, Lazarus's body back up again. I- I'm going to do that. I'm going to die, and I'm going to raise up again. And anyone who believes in me, though they may die, they will be risen again. And so the, the bottom line question for all of us is, is very simple. Do we, do we believe this? Do we believe as Mary did? Do we believe as Martha did? Do we believe the story of Jesus? Do we believe the mother's testimony of here's everything that happened? Do we believe this, that Christ died, that he rose again, and that in believing him and understanding who he is, um, we also, though we may die, though this body may fail, we also will live again. Um, so that's the question for respond time. Do you, do you believe it? Do you really believe it? What does it mean to believe that? Uh, do, what does it mean to believe in the resurrection of Jesus, um, that he died and, and lived again? Um, so that's respond time. There is a song um, for our respond time that I'm going to have played. Uh, me and Hannah wanted to work on this song and actually do this song, but um, that's not going to happen. Um, and so, <laughs> so we're going to play that for our respond time. I'll give you some time in silence, and then Amy will play that song um, as you as you pray in answering the question: Do you believe this? <laughs> 